Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Art of War podcast. Joining us this week is the one and only LVO runner-up, Brad Chester, who's going to talk to us about Salamanders and how he's updated his list and been playing it at events and doing very well, by the way, uh, with the new Space Ring Codex. Uh, joining us as always on the podcast is the Tom Brady of Warhammer 40K, the one and only Nick Nanavati. And I can't tell you how excited I am to tell you all about the fact that he is the Tom Brady of Warhammer 40K. And I would ask that you guys ask him for the story because it's a good one. <laughs> all right, moving on. Nick, why don't you go ahead, introduce Brad for us, tell us all about his great accomplishments, and then let's talk about some Sally's. All right, so Mr. Chester over here is one of the American WTC team players. He's won pretty much all the tournaments. Nova, Adepticon, LVO, not LVO yet. He got second place. And he's also... Um, third and fourth. <laughs> second, third, and fourth. That's commitment. <laughs> in a row. <laughs> That's honestly more impressive than winning it at this point. <laughs> um but yeah, he's notorious for playing Space Marines and kicking butt with them. I think he was best Space Marine in ITC last year and uh, also Art of War coach. So go learn from this dude. Current yeah. American team championship, Victor. Oh, <clears throat> forgot that one too. Would you like anything else to add to these accolades? No, nah, everybody forgets every six months, so it's all good. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was planning on trying to, I, I actually wanted to win the ITC circuit because I was going to travel enough for it this year. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, well, Things happen, and we didn't have a circuit. It got old, and, yeah. Yeah, things things went down. But if they didn't go down, I was ready. Proud of you. So uh, I hear you got this new Salamander list with the new Space Marine Codex, and you want to talk to us about it. I'm pretty psyched about my list, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit up a little bit on one change that I might make. I've got two two-day tournaments coming. And I might make a, a change for this, but let's talk about let's talk about my list in the first place. Yeah, let's start with what your list is and then we'll talk so about changes. I've got the captain on a bike. Captain on a bike, the mantle for minus one to wound. He's got the master of the forge for the plus two to toughness. So basically he's T7 and minus one to wound. So most everybody's either wounded him on a six or possibly a five. You know, I mean he's just rocking it out, loving life, kicking ass. Primaris Chaplain on a bike, the best new model that came out of all of this. Seven Wound Chaplain. I'm actually running him as the Smash Chappy version. So I'm running him with the Mantra of Strength, Rage as his Litanies, Benediction of Fury as his Relic, Master of Sanctity, and then I've got the Imperium Sword, Warlike Trade on him also. So he's basically hitting, if he gets his Litanies off, with Strength 8, 7 attacks, 4 damage. So he's not playing around. He's 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 got... Tough. He's he's a bad dude. He's been in a bar fight or two. I've got some three troops. I'm running assault intercessors and two units of infiltrators. And the biggest thing I like on the infiltrators right now is I'm just a little worried about the early shenanigans of Necron, like auto charges basically, and the shenanigans with you getting plus two to charge and then doing a 
teleport Homer with things like the <clears throat> excuse me teleport Homer with tele with the Terminators, and that actually gets stopped by infiltrators. Now they're going to be gone later on, but that's that's the main reason they're in that in that list. Also, they stop people from you know the early deep strikes. Flamers coming off the board edge, you know, they've got 12 inches on that now. They do a lot of just insurance work. I mean, they can also do things like stop a bunch of nerglings from getting all over objectives, like everything. I mean, they they still deploy. So it's just, it's why I bring them instead of incursors, though, specifically for that. I don't want some early game jank to basically ruin my my setup, my game plan, just because I don't want a a zero inch charge from Necrons. I don't want a seven inch charge from a 10 man unit of terminators just smashing into my lines so i can put i can push them out a little bit with that and keep everything where i want it basically in front of me for yeah, the first basically just minutes. it kind of takes the pressure off your army to actually screen right well you know what i mean you have huge screen and you can push really far off the edges you know what i mean so you're pushing they basically all i want those guys to do is stay alive hopefully till turn three but probably till turn two and just kind of push people back <clears throat> and have me die while i'm coughing I got a four-man aggressor squad, uh, Flamestorms. I'm doing Sally's because why not? Uh, it works. It's it's so good sometimes getting those maximum flamers on people. And the plus one to hit, or plus one to wound, I'm sorry, is just so strong. Uh, aggressors lost their, or not aggressors, Salamanders lost their ability to fire twice. Aggressors. No, every, everybody got the, the aggressors, period, got their yeah, ability to so fire like, twice. Not firing twice, you know, that's a big deal for these flamers compared to what they used to be. You still find them useful? Yeah, I, I never was playing with them firing twice anyway, so I uh, I did not find it difficult to make that transition. So, Okay, sorry, I, I need to, to clarify. When you say firing twice, you mean as in spending a stratagem to shoot them again, or as in the, the old aggressor word, where they didn't move, they could fire twice? Correct. So they basically, they, you could just use the stratagem to make them fire twice because you could make it so that they counted as stationary. Gotcha. So it's actually, yes, is the answer to my question, <laughs> which is yeah, kind of yeah. Sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so it's actually both. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure that I was following along. All yeah. right, cool. And the thing with them is, is I actually like the unit a lot just because I use them more as a defensive mechanism, especially early in the game, because born protectors for one CP, I can fire Overwatch, and now that they're 12 inches, it's so much easier. And then I get a 2D6 heroic intervention with that unit, so I can get back into other people, so I can basically... Whatever you're trying to bring early on uh, in assaults, grab something, do whatever, I can get those aggressors. And they still now have, you know, two damage flat power fist. So they're more consistent at killing a lot of stuff, too. So I just like them uh, as a good defensive tactic, you know, kind of mid-bore, mid I either flank or go very strong in the mid. And either one, you're going to get value out of them. Then I got a uh, one-man, sorry, two-man company veterans with Storm Shields. Just two guys, basically, with a two-up, four-up that are in charge of scramblers, some banners, whatever. Just random idiots that don't get killed that easy. Then you've got the the hero, the primaris apothecary, the chief apothecary, self, selfless healer. Uh, that guy just makes his points up every single game, bringing back an inceptor, some eradicators, whatever. Then I've got a 10-man unit of vanguard veterans, all with lightning claws and storm shields with jump packs trying to reach out and touch something. Their biggest thing is that I really needed more speed to get up and contest early game objectives and stuff, and they just do a fantastic job, especially with the change on the new book where the one of the validities that got changed was you can now do a plus one to wound. 
So you cast the command phase. I put it on the Vanguard Vets. They're rerolling all wounds, and they're getting plus one to wound. So it's really strong on that. So why Lightning Claws over some of the, like, uh, you know, do they have Astartes Chain Swords now, right? Yeah, this, this basically rerolls all wounds and is AP2. And the thing is, is with the implementation of Storm Shields, you've just got a lot of guys that are just have a really good save. You're looking at tons of dudes running around with a two up. So I want to basically put them back down to their end bone of four up. So basically you can fake, fail half your saves, but I just can't have people just sitting around taking, you know, two up, three ups all the time on me. Uh, you just, you're just not going to put uh, things down enough. And also the rerolling to wound is such a big deal, especially when you get the plus one to wound. You just get so much consistent damage, especially if you get the chaplain within range, because a lot of times what I'll do is I'll cast plus one to wound and full rerolls on the hits. So and he's on that giant bike. He's on the Outrider base now. With the, so you can just really get a lot of actual distance out of those auras with that bigger bike. So they're, they're basically my take the middle back, whatever objective they're setting to be countercharging on. So, and then we go down to my uh, my fast attack, my pure, pure love of my fast attack. I've got two attack bikes with multi-maltas. Attack bike hype. They're my faves. I do love them. Each of the problems I run out of fast attack because I'm all about team inceptors. So I've got a unit of six and a unit of three liquid hot plasma inceptors. And I love these guys. They do so much work. I typically split them up into three threes, but I have the one six, one for obviously slots, but also the fact that Necrons exist. And sometimes you need, if you're going to shoot something, you need to pick up the entire squad and make sure that they're gone. So the right. six man unit is really, really good at that. Plus the Salamanders have the plus one to wound strat. So you can drop these guys even without overcharging and usually get a two up on the wound to them. And then I've got two units of eradicators. Now, I actually used to have three units of Eradicators, but I went to the Attack Bike Squad just because the Eradicators are so slow. Sometimes it was just hard to keep them all in the mix because they also took away the ability to fire twice if you advance. So you're losing shots. The Attack Bikes are just really, really good at hiding and then popping out and keeping your distance. They are also, with the 14-inch move, a lot of times they're able to get engaged right away, so you get an extra point there. So... They're just really, really useful for the points. I mean, they're 10 points less than the Eradicators. You're basically losing two shots, but you're gaining so much mobility and the ability to put things on people turn one. Yeah, and I really like the attack bikes in addition to the Eradicators there. I think the, I think a lot of people go for just Eradicators, efficiency, number of melted shots, and they miss out on the fact that it doesn't matter if they're not actually in range. So getting the angles of the attack bikes and getting that a little bit further out, they're also nice for the mission, engaging off fronts and um, early just momentum. Another big, big thing on those guys is the fact that they have, they now have the strat. That's one CP. I can just leave and leave combat with bikes and then shoot, which is a lot of times all people have to do with my eradicators is touch them and I can't go away. So I can just basically pay a CP, leave bikes, boom, shooting again. So that's strong. <laughs> pew pewing is always good. Pew pewing is way better than just punching people with no AP weapons. So. <laughs> I, I would go. I would go with. I would rather shoot you with multi meltas than slap you with combat base combat weapons. So just real quick, this whole list is one battalion. That's one it. Battalion. Okay. And I notice you're not going for like, uh, blade guard, and they seem to be like everywhere. Blade guard everywhere, and they're great. But I think that I'm with the salamander type list on that. I'm not playing a list that can utilize them as well because I'm not running a big giant 
Death Star. I'm not doing the Dark Angels where all the Inner Circle guys are there and the Blade Guard help. White Scars have a little bit more movement with Blade Guard, you know, with the advance and charge. You can do a lot more with them. Uh, you get stuck and you're a little slow with them for me, uh, with your playing Salamanders with this particular type of style of play. So I was looking for more MSU style all over the board, lots of chart, lots of threats that have high AP to be able to pick up people with really good saves, but also having the volume to pick up a horde, a ton of models, you know, people trying to take the middle with tons and tons of OPSEC. I have lots of abilities to kill you if you're MSU, if you're horde. I have the ability to take the board. If someone's going to just bring just kind of a Death Star type of feel of an army, I'll play all over the board. I'll be everywhere, take all the objectives all over the board. If you're playing, <clears throat> trying to also play out some issue, obviously I'll just play a mission against you. And you can take out even huge amounts of models just because of the fact that all those plasma scepters are all blast. So I'm getting maximum shots on anything that's 11 or more. Or sorry, six or yeah. more. I mean, plasma scepters are like one of the best units in the Space Marine Codex now, right? Uh, just I think stop. For, for the, the hybrid efficiency, because in any list you're going to have, you have to be able to take things that have really good saves and you need to pick them up. But you also need to be able to pick up lots of models. So they fit such a great role for that because they are such a duo threat because you have both of those things taken care of in one in one unit. So it basically saves you slots in things that you're trying to do. You know, hard target removal, horde killing, hard uh, good aid good save, uh, AP against good save models. You know what I mean? They, they just do a lot with that. Yeah, they, they they're like have the a most move, right? they diverse units. Go ahead, John, sorry. I was going to say, they also have a decent move. They move 10. Um, they're just very, they, like you said, they're very utilitarian. They, they're, they're basically your Swiss Army knife. They can do any role well, which is good. Um, and they're they're not, I wouldn't call them durable, but they're also not paper, right? So people have to dedicate something Still to get five, And they're Gravis, so you can actually... Yeah. You're looking at a T5 model that can, for one CP, can also pop transhuman. They can also pop, uh, and with salamanders, you can actually do the double plus one to your save if you are looking at damage one weapons. So the standard one in the Space Marine Codex is Gravis, AP plus one save against damage one. And salamanders have another strat that just uh, is a different strat name that is basically the exact same thing on any unit, but you, it's plus one save against damage one weapons so if somebody hits you with you know that damage damage two weapon whatever you know what i mean you're you can actually get that save still back down yeah and then with the six of feeling pain from your ancient and or the apothecary and then the like the fact that chip damage just doesn't matter against your army i can definitely see it being really annoying to kill oh and, it, and the thing is is i can't begin to tell you how often the apothecaries just bring it back an acceptor an eradicator aggressor or whatever you know you just the, you end up pulling back a model here, a model there. So people have to really focus down your units or they're going to be punished for it. You know what I mean? Because especially if they lose that flank, you know what I mean? They got two units down to one and you heal, you know, you heal up, get a, a model back, you heal maybe a unit for two or three here, you heal and attack, but you just, they just have such resilience, uh, especially ignoring the AP minus one. That's a big deal on the army right now. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Salamanders uh, didn't really change much at all throughout the uh, the addition swap, but or not the addition, the FAQ swap, but they they lost their long range marksmen and 
Like that's just not a thing for them anymore because Flamers got longer range and they also lost half of Master Artisan. So they kind of just stayed the same and got a little bit worse. And the aggressors lost their firing twice. So a lot of people kind of lost their luster on Salamanders. And also Grav. Grav got nerfed too. Wow. Um, you don't seem to be minding at all. I wasn't bringing any of that stuff anyways. You weren't so bringing I was any I was of the good going. units? Any of the good units? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they were good, but I was also planning for the future. So I was playing with, with what I... With basically, I you're saying, it, like, forget that that stuff existed. Salamanders are still fine. They just went from, like, broken to just really good, basically. Correct. And, okay. and we knew that things were going to... GW, typically now, has been very good about seeing, hey, this is a busted unit. This is a busted interaction. And it gets through for a tournament or two, but then usually it gets toned down. A lot of things were staying away for a while because obviously with the situation that's going on, we don't have enough games, we don't have enough feedback. But things are just going to get, aren't going to be that way. You know what I mean? So there's no point in playing something that I knew wasn't going to be it's not going to mean it's not going to make any difference to me if i'm you know it, it, like this is the best army in the world and you're like yeah but none of these things are going to be in the new book in the new you know in the new faq everything like that there's no reason for me to try to push those right when it's I, like if i'm playtesting getting ready for like lvo and like there's a ridiculous rules interaction that exists now i can pretty safely assume it'll be dealt with before lvo so it's the same exact thing you're like hey i'm not going to build my entire army around that rules interaction and then all of a sudden go back to the drawing board once it comes out now the, the reason i'm still making this is because i just think it's a really good army against most everything this is not going to high roll you but I can. I have the tools. I have the toolbox to play against pretty much everything. Yeah, and that's really like the way you described it. You were like, sometimes I'm on all the flanks. Sometimes I'm like just running up the middle. Like you were saying it. Like your strategy is malleable based on the situation. Because there's just certain things out there that are just super hard to deal with, you know. So I want I want a little bit of all. Plus, I've got a lot of experience playing in it right now, and I really don't want to go to anything else until. You know, we've got a couple. I want to get a couple of big tournaments under you know my belt with Ninth Edition. You know, I've I've went to a couple locals now. We've been to a couple. We've had pretty deep big RTTs over in Toledo. I've had thirty six man and a forty man now oh, that nice. we've had, and then we got two two day events that are coming up in November December here. Or we are in November, but and this month and later next month, uh, both coming up. And I've had a lot of games in, and I would like to see some of the other codexes. Blood Angels is coming out. I think probably white scars are probably actually the the best of the performing right now, uh, stats wise, says the white scars are. But for me and my play style, I think that salamanders is still the best thing that I'm playing because it just gives me a lot of options, and I really like to have more of a toolbox of playing anything than just being really really strong against certain things. Because you can really high roll with a lot of these very aggressive lists that come out. But the problem is, is I, I want to make sure that I'm always winning all of my games. My my strategy has always been win first. You know, don't I'm not trying for maximum points on it. I'm trying to win the game and then push the, the lead afterwards. Right. And I think that this type of list plays very well to that because I'm not giving up a lot of points. I don't have a ton of characters. I don't ha I don't have a ton of anything for your secondaries except for the ones that you're going to take. I mean, I can't stop you from your 
your scramblers, you're engaged in stuff like that. I can try to push you out. You know, can I, I can try to do that, but I'm not giving up a lot of other secondaries. I'm not giving up and bring it down. I'm not giving up that many kills where you can reliably say that you're going to get grind. I don't have enough models for thin, you know, so you have to decide what you're going to get. Cause in the game, all I need to do is score more points than you. I don't just need to slam into the middle of your army. If you've got this unkillable brick, I don't, I'm not going to even bother getting into that. So and on just, that note, like what kind of secondaries are you normally taking? Because I see how your list definitely denies your opponent's secondaries, but I could also see how you struggle a little bit with primaries because you don't have like, you're not putting 200 models on the board or really putting this death on the table. You're just kind of playing around. So what's your plan for actually scoring points? Engage almost every game. And I'm, I'm usually getting somewhere between, you know, 12 and 15 on it. I'm going to score two, two, probably three threes is the usually what happens on that i bring people in in reserve just to make sure i'm doing that and then i'm taking either scramblers or banners just depending on what the board is what i'm playing against if i think i can get more points on banners if i've got two if it's a five or six objective game and i've got two very close or in my deployment zone and i feel like i can keep my opponent off me for a few turns those are almost guaranteed points and they have the potential to get me more than 10. And then, of course, if I don't think I can do that, I always fall back on scramblers for the easy 10. Mm -hmm. Now, for my third, I take Oath of the Momonala. I take Oath a ton. I think it's a very, very strong secondary for Marines. You're looking at one point for basically not falling back or failing a morale check, one point for killing a vehicle, a monster, or a character, and then two point for just having a unit within six inches of the middle. So you can actually miss that objective a few times on total but then you can score that four two or three turns in a row and bam you're auto at 15 points because there's a total of 20 points that you can score from oath so you're looking at the ability to take a secondary where you can actually miss here and there with it yeah that's a really good point oath is just a very consistent like i'm going to score really well on here and my thing is with the army is i feel like you have to score it to reliably win in 40k right now you have to have the ability to score minimum 70 plus points like you have to put that 70 down to reliably win all the time so you're looking at 30 or 40 in your prime you know 35 40 in your primary i think minimum and then you want at least 30 in your secondaries so and hopefully you're getting more on that so but that's the thing is is like this army just does that reliably so as long as i'm able to keep in the game I'm going to score those points and I'm going to give myself a chance to win. And that's the thing is, is that I feel like player skill, give yourself a chance in player skill to be in any game. So you have to, I designed my army here with guys that can do scramblers without really messing up my strategy with making sure that I have enough fast things that can take engage every turn while not hurting my overall strategy or, me, or messing with my firepower. I've got things that forward deploy to counter my opponent's movement, to take early game objectives, to block off. So I've, I've just got a strategy where I'm trying to get those points and trying to deny my opponent some of their points and then just basically playing the game itself to see where, you know, whoever makes the first movement here is really a lot of times what comes down on the games. Because if you're playing a tight game, it's really who makes that error where all of a sudden you get a 10-5, a 15-5 in the primary. That's, that's a lot of times just the whole game is there because maybe every other turn you guys were tied, you know, so the, that five point differential right there 
is a huge deal. And just making sure that you can reliably score your secondaries is why I take the things that I take. But I also think it's a big deal that you have to plan ahead. Like I always put run the numbers as far as each game. I go, hey, if I keep doing this, this is how much I'm going to score. And I feel that you have to have a few fast things, the attack bikes, the inceptors, the vanguards. You have to have things that you can change if the game's starting to go somewhere else for you. So do I need to take this? Do I need to be very aggressive and take this objective away from him? Do I need to try to get the secondary away from him? You need some things that are quick, so you have to be able to counter your opponent and not just be durable. If you lose no models, but you're only taking two objectives, you're still going to lose the game. Yeah, I think a lot of people get lost in the sauce there. They take um, just too much like raw power or mathematically this is superior offense or defense, doesn't matter. And they don't take enough mission stuff. And I think Space Marines, the new army, brings a lot of really good tricks and tools like guerrilla tactics for any Phobos units. And Cursors are really good at it. That's why I like attack bikes more than eradicators. Um, Scout Storms, you're not taking any here, but they also do this really well. Um, your two-man company, Vet Squad, love that inclusion. Just things to play the mission because ultimately, you know, your army can just hang because you're playing Space Marines. And then where you lose, where people try to beat you with Space Marines army, it's super efficient. People will try to beat your army by missioning you. And if you're also taking missions seriously, they're not going to be able to. 100%, man. And just, I can't tell you how often I see someone just trying to crash into the core of an opponent's army when they could just sit on flank objectives and just go, where are you weak? That's what I want to see. Where do you have the least amount of models? I'm going to kill you off of that objective. All the, a lot of times I'm going into my opponent's zone because you'll see those super aggressive yeah. armies that They'll come off them back yeah, field crap on exactly like just drop on and go well you know you took my objectives well i'll just take yours back and you know now we're you're still scoring and that's the thing is is there's you nothing says that you have to kill your opponent's models just take the objectives score your secondary score your points because in the end you're trying to win the game you're not just trying to pick up toy soldiers of your opponent so the whole thing is is that you have to have a plan, though, to do that. There's no reason to smash into a 10-man unit of Deathwing Terminators, you know what I mean, with a 5-up feel no pain and a apothecary behind them, only wounding them on fours, you know, with a one-up save. It's just, there's that's silly. Why, why would you bother? There's actually a beautiful example of this where I was playing oh. against John Lennon in the War Room where he was running two 10-man bricks of Deathwing Terminators with all the apothecaries <clears throat> and the nonsense. And I just played sisters and ran circles around his army to try to outscore him, and it really worked. Yeah, I mean, just that's the thing is, just why are you going there? Because all those things cost a lot. You know, usually the people's bricks of unkillable death storage still just cost a lot of points. So stay away from that. You know what I mean? Get get your points. There's no nothing says that you have to engage your opponent. I talked Scary and I talked about that a bunch when we're like every time he's playing Dark Eldar. If you look at the board, it looks like he lost horribly, and then he won by twenty. You know, because yeah. he's just scoring. He's he's denying your the, his opponent's primaries, so he's just consistently back and forth with, "Hey, man, you know, it doesn't matter just what I'm killing; it matters how much I'm scoring every turn." Now, it's yeah. really interesting you're bringing this up as the Space Marine player because Space Marines are kind of known as the boogeyman army these days that everything they do is so hyper-efficient, plasma scepters, eradicators, whatever, and they they kill you. I'm like, what do you do? You can't really kill them. They're so durable. They kill you. That's the end of the game. And you're not even talking about that as the strength of your Space Marine army. You're, like, you have all those units, but you're saying the strength of your Space Marine army is its ability to score objectives. So yeah. like, what made you make that 
Like, why do you say that? I guess because I played Eldar forever, and that's how you play Eldar too, <laughs> or anything. <laughs> All right. Well, help yeah. me try to wrap my head around it for everyone listening. No, it's it's the thing is is that I think that Space Marines currently right now arguably have the most tools to play with. And I look at that when I'm building the, the roster and I think to myself, how am I going to win the game? It doesn't matter if it's Marines, whatever, you know, how am I going to win? I'm going to score those points. And I think Marines just have lots of key tools. For instance, your troops are very durable compared to most everybody else's troops. You have those fast units that can do things. And the thing is, is sometimes you can use your hyper-efficient units and scepters, eradicators, and stuff like that to pick up and get a, a very efficient trade with your opponent. So you can do all these things, kill your opponent, take them off objective, and be very durable, be very efficient the way that you're killing. So I think that I want the ability to play. Like I was saying in the beginning, I'm, I'm looking for the ability to be able to play against anything. For instance, we'll do one of the new things that came out, Necrons. One of the reasons that there's a 10-man Gangard vet, and I chose the, the Lindys that I did, is because I want to have the ability to pick up 20 warriors, 5-man destroyers and stuff, and pick them all up in one turn because of things, reanimation protocols requiring you to have one unit left. I also want these things to be able to get away from, you bring these Death Star army, you bring that, those knights against me. I don't want you to be able to pick them up and deep strike them on me. So I have utility tools like the infiltrators to keep that away from me for a couple turns. And then I also have things that can just move away and take their other objectives, kill all their all their fast type things that they're trying to take the objectives with. So they're left with, you know, two bricks of Death Knight ter Deathwing Terminators or something like that. So I just want to be able to move. I want to be able to have fast moving, very effective shooting. And then some fast-moving, very effective close combat. And I think that Marines have all of those in droves. And I'm also very durable. I'm actually very good in Marine-on-Marine Marine matches because of the fact that my army ignores AP1. So in those beginning turns when everybody's in Devastator Doctrine, Tactical Doctrine, and stuff like that, before anybody gets to that, that sweet number of AP2 or higher, a lot of times I'm just shaking off a lot of these early game exchanges with outriders and things of that are getting up on me that don't have enough AP for me to bother with. So I'm, I'm winning a lot of these exchanges when I'm just ignoring the AP1. So I'm still getting a two up save against all of the bolter shots or the onslaught Gatlings and stuff like that. Just all these, these weapons that are uh, bouncing off me basically. And they can make it so that even my base guys are very, very durable. So I can set up, take the objectives. And the thing is, is that, you have to set up these forward deploying units in a way so that you're not just standing there also. I think that's one of the biggest things that I see a lot of people that I'm trying to help with originally start to do is they just put a unit on top of an objective and just hope that it's going to make it to the next turn, which is just not. You know, if you're just sitting there in front of your home, your entire opponent's army, put it seven inches away. So even if you get that one inch advance, you're still going to touch that objective and either contest it or take it from your opponent. Taking away your opponent's primaries is more important than just taking your primaries because you have to basically contain those points. And in doing so, you're just going to get yourself a better score. That was beautiful. I couldn't have said it better <laughs> myself. <laughs> I just heard silence of like everybody left. They're like, 
<laughs> are you like you didn't stop to take a breath? Are you just monologue for like five minutes? And I was like, I'll just let him go. And then I realized you stopped. <laughs> like, wait, let's talk now. <laughs> All right, let me let me ask you some some questions about your overall strategy. Then, and I'm sure some of this we'll get into in the matchup discussions because it's going to depend on matchups. But are you aggressive early in the game? Typically, to like, what's your overall strategy? Are you aggressively trying to put primary pressure on your opponent by being everywhere or do you play sort of a slower game, let it kind of get started, see where they're doing and react? Like what, what's your overall strategy with the list? I literally call it passive aggressive because I prefer to go second unless I'm playing against like a super hyper uh, army that I have to be as to push out on to do something about objectives early, but I would rather see where my opponent goes and then be able to, and I deploy in such a way that I can counter get either shoot them off one objective and or hand to hand them off an objective and i have to have be in such a way that i have the distance to do that so i think that it's especially with an army like this i think it's a mistake to just push yourself out there right away and just kind of hope for the best you want to counter your opponent because i'm playing nick right now what i want to do is i want to make it so he basically gets no free kills on turn one and then i'm actually killing hopefully somewhere between 10 to 25 percent of his army so then when he comes back at me, it's it's always less. So we go back and forth on that. The matchups themselves are going to mean a lot, and the terrain's going to mean a lot. Uh, your average game of 40K in ninth edition, it seems, and most tournament organizers are finding, are, are just agreeing with this, are just bringing more line-of-sight blocking terrain, more things that you can interact with. And so I think that it's nice to be able to counter your opponent what he's doing. So a lot of times I actually choose to go second in a ton of matchups because I'm willing to just sit for one turn, maybe only take a two, you know, push one unit up, take my engage, move up, and really give them almost no shots. You know, I'll just take an engage with one. That's of really interesting it. because a lot of players are really pushing that turn one advantage, and especially for a board control army. And in essence, yours is kind of a board control army because you want to be everywhere doing everything. I'm fully. That's the thing is, is that I designed it. And there is some matches where I do want to go first, but I designed my army and my philosophy basically on the fact that I'm going to go second half the time anyways. So I want to be able to function going second. I think yeah, a lot and of people almost do, to the point where you prefer going it, like you've overcorrected, not right. overcorrected, but you can't really get 50 50 on the dot, right? Yeah, so. exactly. That's my, my thing is, is that that's why, you know, sometimes, especially if you have, you know, a really large, you know, if you play a really heavy terrain board. There's no even reason for me to take first turn. I can't do anything to you either. So I'm just wasting my turn. I want to maximize my damage that I inflict on your army also. Plus, I know where you're going. So I can see where you're heading to on these objectives. And preferably, I've boxed you off a little bit so people aren't just, you know, starting on objectives and raising four banners on turn one or something. You know, I'm going to be around to try to prevent these from happening. So... I, I want to be able to to counter up. I want to send those 10 Vanguard veterans into your unit, kill them, and hopefully be behind terrain at that point in time so I'm getting very few shots back. So I really play a counter style of play because I don't want to rely on, oh, you know, I, I went second, I'm probably going to lose now. I just, I never want to be in that mindset of having to play out of some uh, disadvantage or hole that I'm in. I think that playing second is fine most of the time. I mean, there's, there's times when obviously you do want to go first, different boards, different setups, different armies. But as a whole, I probably go second more than I go first. Uh, just because I choose to go second sometimes. You know, I, I go 50, you win the die 50 50% of the time. 
And then sometimes I just choose to go second. So it's probably a 60-40 mix for me right now. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges. So you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. So one thing I find really interesting is that in the very beginning of the episode, you hinted at like a change you were considering. And now you've gone through your list, you've been talking a while, and every unit, every decision, like... It seems so calculated. Like you took six man plasma scepter squads that you usually combat squad, but you want to be able to hit Necrons really hard. And that's why you've also chosen litanies on your chat. Like everything is so layered the way you've done everything. So how do you one go about evaluating making changes to this list just on a philosophical level? And two, what are the changes you're considering? The one change I'm considering right now is because things like Satans exist, I mean, I guess Gaz is also the same way. Uh, especially sometimes there's just very super, super hard characters to kill. I'm thinking about putting in a Phobos Librarian uh, because he has the best selection of powers and stuff that he can get. I can get a Smite, plus I can get something I can have non-targetable. You know, you can do different things. Um, you have to pick it on your list, right? So, like, correct. I mean, what were you? What would you take your thinking? I, w- I would definitely take don't, not non-targetable. I would probably, if I had... Two powers on that, I would take probably take corridor and and uh, I can I think shrouding. Yeah, and I would just do a two box it a little bit off, just try to make because I've got a couple units for him to cast that on uh, that I could put in the back. I could do a little bit more with, um, and I, I tell you the truth, really, I'm looking for a little bit more damage. So I was debating on um, if I would do him or if I would do a standard uh, librarian on that, but I was just thinking debating on psychics just so that I can have a, another phase so that I can actually kill something like Nightbringer in one fa- in one turn as opposed to Nightbringer, if you can only shoot and punch him, you have to do it in two turns, two phases. So you're looking at four instead of three. So you give up another another phase on that. And they've already set that precedent with, uh, with him. They've done Satans like that. They've done Gaz like that. And that's that's a precedent that we we've already seen. So I'm I'm debating whether that's going to be more of. So I just kind of want to plan for the future. But also, so, can I just slow you down for a second? For sure. our newer players, you want to go ahead and explain what you're talking about uh, when you talk about Gaz and those guys. They may not know that they 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 only take a limited amount of damage, right. so that like, you can't kill them. For instance, any of the new Satans, the the Nightbringer, Deceiver, the Void Shadow Dragon, the any of them. They have a rule that states that they can only take three wounds in any phase, just period. So whether it's the fight phase, the shooting phase, the psychic phase, if you can do multiple wounds in multiple phases, you can then kill him. Otherwise, you have to wait each Like if your army is like only guns, you're going to do three wounds. Yeah, for instance, you're playing Tau and you're playing against Nightbringer. He's he's not the guy you want to see. But it also, all those Necron models, all Necron models have a rule called Living Metal, which means that they gain one wound every turn. Just at the beginning of the turn, they just gain a wound. So if I did six wounds, three wounds in the shooting phase, three wounds in the fight phase to that Satan, he would be at three, he would gain one to go back to four. So which means that now I need to have two more phases again, and he can do a lot more damage to my army. 
the other thing with just uh, thinking about a psyker is sometimes you just have characters that are very, very difficult to, to do damage to. They have rules for saves or maybe rerolling saves or just super, super strong, difficult to take care of guys. And mortal wounds are always a very good answer to difficult to take care of units. And plus, mortal wounds are one thing that reanimation protocols do not work on. So that's just one more tool that I would have against that. So basically, you just want more tools in your toolbox, specifically for Necrons and anything like Necrons in the future. What would you consider dropping, though? I would I would go down to three aggressors instead of four. So that, that, that would save me 40 points. And then after that, I've been staring at my list for a long time. So, <laughs> okay. Yep. That's where it is. Yeah. So You could go to five mm-hmm. plasma scepters, I guess, and then you get better transhuman efficiency, too. Yeah, but I'm, I'm unless I'm playing Necrons, they're three threes anyways. Yeah. So it's 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 difficult on that. I do like having the multiple units of them. Uh, it, the other reason that they sometimes go six is I have the Salamander Strat for plus one to wound. So sometimes if you have a hard target that you really want to make sure that you're hitting, uh, I'll I'll leave the unit large on that. So you can do that with five. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm I'm really debating on. I'd have to find some extra points. Effectively, I I would have to find sixty points. So I would say, you know, do I need company veterans? I probably could do that without without them, you know, taking the different things. But they do make my secondaries so easy to do because you basically automatically get scramblers and stuff. So a- this is an interesting topic on that. Richard and I, Richard Siegs and I have this debate all the time. And him and I are on the same page that we often don't take things like two-man company <clears throat> vet squads. I personally don't like spring the extra 15 for infiltrators over incursors. And that's basically because I feel like I'm spending points to allow myself to be sloppy with my play or like not be tight. Basically, I'm being inefficient with my points, so I don't have to be a better player on the table. And by that, I mean I could always just screen and not worry, not have to pay you for can, Some of the things you can't you can't screen right now though, because um, I'm going to kill your initial screens, and then if you do something like moving up like the teleport armor with a plus two to charge screen's an example for the infiltrators like yeah there's like a specific thing in the game like maybe you can't screen but just generally that's how i feel about infiltrating like the company vets like anyone can scramble or engage in all fronts i'm just choosing to do it them because i paid the points for it now i'm not saying you're wrong like obviously i value your opinion really highly you're one of my coaches and stuff and i'm I'm just saying like philosophically this is kind of like my line on it what's yours my thing is is that i don't want to be trying to scramble with inceptors or eradicators or somebody when the game gets later in because i'm trying to get it on your board edge or your mm-hmm. you know your third and so it's guys, almost kind of like investing later for later on correct like that's i like that and i agree though that that is one of the things that i've debated on uh not taking if i wanted to get that librarian in i would take a one aggressor out and i would probably take out the company veterans and then i would have to be a little bit stronger on pushing for that last scrambler but it would also mean that i would probably take banners more often also too because then i don't have to try to get a unit all the way to your deployment zone you know what i mean to take that la- the third to take that last scrambler no so that all sh- makes sense i just want to get no, your no, I, I get where you're uh, hon, I, I'm, i've been very hemming and hawing on that right there i've i talked a lot uh lennon and i go back and forth on you know what you know what we would like in this and we kind of just agree on this and we disagree on this, but everybody's going to have their own play style. That's right. So we just kind of go back and forth on, should I go for maximum efficiency or should I go for more of a little bit of an insurance plan saying that 
I want to make sure that I don't get high rolled for some, you know, for whatever combination goes on. Yeah. Because when I'm looking at the long, especially the longer tournaments, I, I want my army to be the best it can be in the finals, but I also have to get to the finals. So I don't want to lose to random stuff in that yeah. in that six, you know, those six games that are leading me up to day three of LVO. I don't want to lose a game because I didn't have the ability to push out some oddball uh, assault, you know, zero inch assault type thing that it could have happened. Um, that's not going to win. That's not going to get to the finals, but it has the potential to upset me in the finals. So I, I no. want a little bit of, of safety net for that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I mean, I totally get the philosophy. It's like exactly what you said. You're buying yourself an insurance policy. So it's just like, well, why are you the kind of buy book guy who buys insurance? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it is though, because in, in, because I'm, I'm thinking of that I, I want to win the tournament, but I have to win all my games to win that tournament. So I, I don't want to, I want to have the, uh, the ability to make sure that even if it's an out, out of the ordinary list, it might just, I don't want to have, I don't want to have any games where I feel like I'm in a hole. Like I was saying before, I don't want to feel that I'm at a huge disadvantage because of this particular matchup or combination that's coming out. Cause we've got yeah. a lot of books that are coming out and being on top of those is what we do. You know what I mean? So I want to make sure that those just don't happen to me and I'm available for them. Right. All right. So, so go ahead, John. That, that just leads me to a thought. I want to hear, get your guys' thoughts on it. So it sounds to me like Nick, you would prefer to have your list be optimally efficient uh, to do the jobs that it needs to do. So you're not taking any quality of life improvements that cost you points that are points inefficient where, and, and you're, are you, you would say that you want to be able to like, you want to be able to count on yourself to play those models optimally all the time so that you don't need the, the inefficiencies. And then, you know, that you're not gaining those inefficiencies, um, but yeah, you're also, I don't have those, I, those, what I, think I would just call. to clarify it a little bit and you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't mind paying a little bit more for toolboxy stuff. That'll make my quality of life better. Like I, I like the incursors over intercessors for five points kind of thing, but I want to find that line and I want to hit it as closely as possible. Like right. what is the exact amount of fat per se that I need to put into my list just to be able to play the mission optimally or be, or lean on myself to play it properly. But Brad actually touches on something and it's, part of getting older <laughs> so Brad, maybe if you can tell me if i'm wrong about this but as i've gotten older playing across two you know even even round six on day two you're tired right oh, it's 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 literally you're hitting it right that's where i go a lot with this also is you larger tournaments give you tournament fatigue if you have to play five to nine games uh i want some of my games to be have a little bit of ease of mind in that because you got to be hyper focused all the time. And if there is a slight error on that, you know, maybe I do want, again, I want my insurance policy to help me out a little bit. Right. And I think incursors are, or infiltrators versus incursors is a really good discussion about that because it is a lot of points. It's a significant amount of points, but infiltrators make your life, your quality of life much easier. There's, you know, that extra three inches doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a huge amount of the board. Um, well, it's like you said, against the things that can show up three inches away from you, six inches away from you. Now it's like very big, like instead right. of six they, inches, they, 12 they inches. always override the the ability of somebody to get within three inches of you, six inches, whatever. They, their ability actually stops that from happening. 
So you can't get auto charges on me and things of that nature. Yeah, or even charges at all, right? Because you can't even Correct. declare them. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to be just outside. You can be twelve point zero 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 one inches away from me, so you can't make that charge. So it you also I get to flammer you. <laughs> you can't. Yep. You know, the, uh, all of the above, and it's it's very it, it keeps and that's the thing is, is a lot of times I turn these games into uh, they, a lot of my games just end up looking like Hammer and Anvil because they do a very hard flank, uh, and then I push up with them. So it feels I try to keep everything in front of me, uh, pushing back so you're not. Get being able to utilize all your tools against me, so you're at range. You're you know you're you're not getting all of your shots on all of my things that are trying to take objectives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And right now, I've actually got the funny thing is is that as far as my insurance policies, they're basically the infiltrators. Everything else has been cut besides the the company vets. Everything else is like super point efficient. I take no upgrades and stuff. I'm just yeah, like, that's oh. true. That's true. We're, like I said, we're splitting hairs here, but. It's like when you're fiddling with like those last 15, 20 points, um, well, you, know, you want to get it right. 100%. Yeah, but, but I think what's really interesting about that discussion and why I wanted to point it out is you guys are literally um, both taking a different approach to winning a big event where Brad is taking me, I'm going to play better. Like, okay, if we both play our list to its maximum potential, maybe Nick's list will be able to be played better. But he's counting on the fatigue basically leveling the playing field and then the fact that you know he's going to be able to outplay you because he has less fatigue and has uh we'll say better tools maybe that's not the word i'm looking for but additional tools that maybe nicked up i'm I'm taking a safer route is what i'm taking yeah Yeah, i'm taking a riskier path like i'm putting more emphasis on me as a player to get the job done whereas brad is like my list can pull some weight here that said because i have those points more efficiently spent and assuming that I can find 15 points and spend it more efficiently, then I, in theory, could have a stronger list if optimal play was just there, and then the fact that Brad has insurance doesn't matter. Depending on what he's taking, what's taken against. So I'm more playing for, I want to make sure that I have plays against everything and safer plays against everything. And Nick wants to be able to pay have Nick basically wants a little bit of a higher ceiling, say, and I want to make yeah. sure that I have a lower floor and a more higher, even you know, I want my bell curve yeah, basically to be very right. even and happy right in the but, middle there but at, at the end of a tournament you're also saying i think uh you believe for your success that the saved fatigue and the um it, I, I it's guess a big more, deal man it, yeah, i'm an old man yeah. it's just it's right it's literally give you a better chance to win than having the higher ceiling right so uh, for sure, for me, for for sure, for that because no, of the and I mean that's true. Like across sports, right? Like you wouldn't give a a forty year old basketball player the same kind of workout regime as a twenty year old basketball player, right? You want to tailor your list, tailor your your routine, tailor your stuff for who you are. That's definitely real advice. And I actually I like this I like this type of list for a lot of people listening on this because of the fact that it gives you a little more wiggle room when you're playing for not even mistakes, just non-optimal moves. You know, it, it helps you a little bit in playing in victories and stuff like that. I just, I, I do like the, just the added thing where I can go, okay, well, I can take two units of infiltrators and literally mathematically block out the entire board uh, going 44 inches, you know what I mean? Nothing can come anywhere there. So I can just make myself a no-fly zone. And it's it's just nice to have that, you know what I mean? It, is it 100% everybody's? Is it yours? Probably not. Is it some people's? Yep. You know what I mean? So it's just, 
it's what what tools you like to have. I mean, that's when we're building this list, we always talk about we talk to everybody that's in the world about the, one of the first questions is, you know, what style of play do you like? You know what I mean? And then you go from there. So you you go, you know, does this make you more comfortable to have this type of unit, A, B, C, and work from there. Everybody's a little bit different. And that's why we're all, all of us are here on here to give everybody options. And we talk, I mean, hell, all the art of work coaches talk to each other to get the basically the best possible answer to any question that we get most of the time. So we'll yeah, argue. We'll, yeah, we'll argue. We'll argue amongst Whenever ourselves. I don't instantly know the answer, I'm like, "Hey, Siegs, John, Chester, like, what do you think of this?" Yep. I mean, we, we all do it, and, and that's the thing is, is that the, we spend a lot of time reading through this codexes, the books, the well, I guess those are other things, whatever. <laughs> the the codexes, the FAQs, you know, different things that have happened in different tournaments, different rulings, what GW is saying. We spend a ton of time doing this so that we can give you the best answer possible. Thousand percent true. I think Before, a little bit of your guys' ninth edition privilege to join, talking about being able to play different play styles with the same armies. What can, what what are we what kind of world are we living in? This is so great, right? <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> I used to be around. like you played between three or four factions, and like if you're not playing one of those, just get out of here. Yeah, you're just and that they all kind of did the same thing. Yep. And everything right now. It, it, I, I love the meta. I'm not going to lie. It, this is the best time to be a fan of whatever you really, really like that wasn't considered the top top because anything can win right now as long as you have the right tools. That's true. <coughs> I mean, even like Tyrants and Oryx and those armies, like they're pulling out sometimes because like things play them well. Yeah, exactly. If you, have to, you know, if you know an army inside and out, boom, you're, you're just always going to f- feel better about it and be able to do things with it. All right, steal well, the ship back for one more question before we sign off. Um, Chester, was there any other units or warlord traits, relic stratagems, that kind of thing you were thinking about considering, or maybe you were taking that you play tested out of? Like, what was how'd you get here? I thought about taking the extra range of the apothecary, which I don't take right now. I just stay with the three. Fox, spirit and relic. Yeah, uh, just because I lose CP, uh, I just I'm salamanders. The army itself is, I think, it is only stays top tier and relevant because it has really, really strong stratagems. So I need my my CP to be there. And if I'm already spending kind of a lot of CP on the chaplain uh, with Warlord traits, Benediction, you know, extra relics and stuff like that, and I'm already spending stuff with Apothecary and everything, um, it's hard for me to add a lot of other things. I've been very close to that uh, with that. So it's tougher for me to, to add... Um, a lot of other traits because of just because of the army that I'm playing and the style that I play it in, which is very CP hungry. (laughs) And I think that's one of the best things you do with your army. A lot of people are down on Salamander's mono trait um, or just like Salamander's like chapter tactics or whatever, but their strats are like the best strats of any chapter. They're so good. It's funny because like I, a lot of times I just don't even think about the actual regular strats besides you know are not the strats but the chapter tactics i'm literally here for the great strategies no i'm with you okay well i'm interested in talking about matchups because i think again which seems to be the case almost every week when we have a really high quality player which is what we try to have every every week obviously um is you have a very flexible list. So there's going to be a lot of different ways for you to approach different matchups so i think it's going to be a really cool discussion what do you think nick 
No, I'm super excited for the matchup talk. Like we even Chester describing his strategy with the list. He's like, I do a little bit of this or that or this, and it depends on what I'm playing. So that's what we're going to get into in part two. Chester, is there anywhere people can find you or learn from you or do any of that stuff? You can obviously see me at The Art of War. You can see me at my Twitch, where I literally play every game in the universe, including 40K, and talk 40K pretty much every day at uh, Bradchester1. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Bradchester1. And anytime you want to stop by, I've got my Patreon at Bradchester forward slash Patreon.com. Awesome. Okay, everyone, for all of our patrons, we'll see you over at episode two. If you're not a patron, why haven't you signed up yet? It is one of the best values in 40K for getting better at the game. We have, um, I don't know, like 60 or 70 hours of interviews that are behind the paywall, uh, so to speak. So if you'd like to give it a shot, it's only $6 a month, and you can find us at AOW40K.com. All right, enough salesmanship for now. Patrons, we will see you on part two. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com, where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.